This episode of State of the Nova Nation is sponsored by our friends at Homefield. Introducing our new sponsor, Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. Homefield brings you incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They dig through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs. Homefield launched its Villanova collection last Saturday, and this collection features 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, and crewnecks, all with vintage marks. I received my Nova Nation Homefield shirt this past week, and it completely exceeded my expectations. I love the design, the material is super soft, and for all my female Wildcat fans out there, the cut and the style is perfect to wear to a game and casual enough to wear to cheer on the cats. To explore the full collection, be sure to use the promo code VUHOOPS at checkout. That's VUHOOPS, all one word, all capital, for a discount on homefieldapparel.com to get all the apparel you need for March. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang, and Pat, what a weekend, what a month. It's finally here. We have so much on the docket today. We will, of course, recap Villanova's Big East Tournament victory, their fifth in the last seven years, and the matchup is set. Villanova will face Delaware on Friday afternoon, this one will be a bit more of a general episode, recapping Selection Sunday, looking at the field of 68 as a whole. And then likely we have another episode this week, so that yes. one will be very Nova Delaware focused. But Pat, as we record, as this gets released, it will be the morning of March Madness. How are you feeling? Oh, and they're Villanova's sixth overall. Big East yeah. tournament win. Uh, I'm pumped. As you said, first four will be tonight. As people listen to this, I got to spend the week in Manhattan last week. Uh, and, and before we go any further, I need to shout out the phenomenal alumni network that this school has oh. to put together such a great week in Manhattan. It didn't matter who you were, if I knew you, if I didn't, the amount of Villanovans that I talked to, every experience was great, whether it was at the game, at Crompton Ale, at Stout, wherever across the too many bars that I went to uh, leading (laughs) into the games. It was all awesome. You know, got to meet and see some cool people. We we both got to see each other. How long has it been since we've yeah. seen each other? Right. Um, and a picture of us with Eugene on the State of the Nova Nation Twitter account. If you haven't seen that, of course, saw Eugene, saw Chris from the Full 40, got to meet Chris from Nova Tip Time, uh, saw some friends from Wisconsin, Jersey, Boston. Everyone came down because Madison Square Garden is the epicenter of the Big East. And my God, what a week it was. The Mecca, and it showed up. I mean, every single game was... Much must watch TV. You're right. The alumni. I mean, that's the reason why I went to Villanova in general, (laughs) too, because I know how much people I knew how much people cared. And oh, my God, it showed up. It was uh, I was able to make it on Saturday. Thank goodness. And Nova was playing. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. You and I saw each other. I I was thinking about it. It had been since March of 2020, Pat. We've only podcasted together for two years. uh, 200 episodes, 200 plus, something like that. Pretty much. And And we finally got to see each other in person again and out of Villanova game. So yeah, pretty, pretty fun. 
yeah. So to everybody who showed up to everybody, we saw the people we graduated with. It was such an awesome weekend and we got the results we wanted, obviously. And now the counts are looking really, really good with some momentum on their side heading into this week. Uh, I would say so. I, I think you got to be feeling good after what you saw and, and we'll kind of talk about why in a second here, but Villanova is a big East tournament champion yet again. It, uh, yeah. It, it's weird to say it felt like a long wait because it, it hasn't it been because yeah. <laughs> they won in 2019. And of course they went from 1995 until 2015 before they won that, that next one again uh, between them. But oof, with, with the success that this J Wright era has had, and especially in the, the reestablished big East going from 19 to 22, obviously no tournament in 20 and, and the loss to Georgetown a year ago, it felt so great to be back on top. We're so spoiled. Oh, absolutely. Do you hear what I just said? It's, it's, it's not even fair. <laughs> we are so spoiled. So I had to be asked to leave Madison Square Garden after the game. So I stayed for all of the festivities and the ladder. <laughs> I love that. Cutting the whole thing. Of course, I was there but too. Something that really stuck out to me. Of course, he never would have answered this honestly anyway. But Gus Johnson asked Jay Wright if, if it ever got old. Mm. And I feel like Jay really let that sit for a second. And he was like, no, it really doesn't ever. And of course, when we look back on this whole season and we do a bunch of recap episodes, we'll decide if this season was a quote unquote success or not. I think it's pretty obvious if this team didn't win the Big East tournament, that would have been a shocker and a disappointment, but it doesn't make winning it feel any less good, right? It still is so awesome, especially in the type of game that it was when at the five-minute mark, it really could have gone either way, mm-hmm. and you could have said the same thing in the St. John's game and the UConn game. Yep. So for it to finally all come together, everybody contributed. They had so much fun at the ceremony at the end that you just can't fake those type of emotions no matter how much of a winning culture you might have. It doesn't get old because there truly are no guarantees in a conference yeah. this you know, just this close Especially together. this year. Yeah. yeah, in terms of competitiveness and talent and, and all that goes into it. So coming away with the Big East tournament title, especially after kind of a little bit of a sour feeling that they didn't win the regular season title when I, I think a lot of people felt pretty strongly that Villanova was the best team in the conference. Uh, it, it felt pretty damn good. Yeah. Providence certainly did not go about changing anybody's mind. In oh, their we'll talk about that. Run, we'll we'll so. talk about that a little later. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But speaking about all these games in my head, I kind of, I wrote down a few points about each game. Do you mm-hmm. want to do it that way? Try and take it as, as comprehensively as possible, not dwell too much, but say some big points from every game. I wrote, I kid you not one line from each game. And I thought oh, we'll, I love just, we'll just go conversation from there pretty much. All right. I'll do the same way. Should we? So I'll, I'll say the scores and stuff. We can talk about some leading scores and then we can say our, our mm-hmm. takeaways. So St. John's, They defeated the Johnnies 66 to 65. Brandon Slater had that clinching free throw in the final seconds, of course, showing off Villanova's biggest strength to everybody in the country. They were down seven at half. They were down 17 at one point. They came all the way back. I'll say my storyline first, zero first half paint points. Mm. And they learned how to penetrate in the second half. And that was the game changer for them. Yeah, it, it, you kind of hit on an overall theme that I'm when I group these together. 
there were different heroes every single yes. night for Villanova and they won 100%. in different ways every single night, which is why I think you can start to feel really good going into this tournament. Interesting stat here too. Villanova took 20 free throw attempts against St. John's. How many times have we talked about this year that Villanova rides their free throws and that's where they put teams away because they get to the line so much and they knock down, they knock them down at a clip that literally no one in history has ever knocked them down. <laughs> yeah. But, but the next two games, they shot a combined 20. The same amount they shot against St. John's as a as a whole, and they still won the next two games. So had me feeling really good about that. You know, on the St. John's game, as I say, different heroes every single night. Caleb Daniels really kept them in this game early when St. John's threatened to be able to pull away and St. John's did pull away and Villanova still found a way to, to obviously come back and win that game. 19 points, five made threes from Caleb was so, so important and kind of goes to my key of a different hero every night. Cause I got two more heroes to talk about for some other games. Yeah, you're right. Every single game, there was either a very disappointing performance from a certain player, but another performance made up for them. I mean, this feels like, ages ago but Jermaine Samuels didn't mm-hmm. start that game and Eric Dixon and was sick Eric Dixon had been vomiting right in pregame which we found out during the game I mean I saw a tweet minutes before tip that Jermaine wasn't starting and it throws everything off I I, I think I tweeted this we have been e- exceptionally critical of Jermaine Samuels this mm-hmm. season and I think deservedly so at points but his absence in the first half it was remarkable how much Villanova lacked in the defensive Mm -hmm. and rebounding departments. So if he is not filling up the box score offensively, his presence is felt defensively. And I think that's a big reason why Nova was able to come back. Yes, of course they couldn't have won without Daniels shots, but Samuels eight rebounds off the bench making up for Dixon's time as well. I think Samuels was the back spasms. Dixon was the Mm -hmm. illness. True. It was just a really gritty performance, and he was my hero in game two, if you want to segue yeah. there right now. Yeah, so at 26 minutes with a bad back and playing against a team that plays like St. John's does up and down the floor, yeah. I, I mean, what a gutty performance. But, yes, I, let's transition to where he truly was the hero in game two. I mean, 21-12 and 12 was the stat line. This was my favorite game. Yeah. Oh, because me too. Me too. Yeah, it has a, because of the environment. I yes. mean, I can't even imagine what the garden must have been like. I <laughs> was screaming by myself in a hotel room. And this was the game where it ended. And I felt like I'd run a marathon because I was so exhausted emotionally. I can't even imagine what it was like there. <laughs> I can describe it. <laughs> but you, UConn let Samuels and Slater shoot. Yep. And oh my God, did they pay for it. It was the game plan, and I get it from Hurley. Hurley went into this game saying Justin Moore and Colin Gillespie are not going to beat me. They did not. That's what they did last time. He he held them to 11 points combined. But what he did was he completely sagged off Samuels, who finished with three threes. He let Slater get in the lane as well as throw up some threes, and the two of them combined for 36 of Villanova's 63 to lead the way. It's it's unbelievable. And then Slater put, you know, possibly not possibly my favorite play of the season with the block Mm. uh, towards the end there to really kind of hold on to momentum. Uh, It was, this was also my favorite game, just the increased intensity of playing UConn at Madison square garden and the reminder of the pure, I'll use the word hatred for Connecticut fans and, uh, and the environment that they foster, uh, Coming away with a win there felt 
really, really good. Yeah. You had some choice words for some people and you don't oh, usually have oh God, choice you're gonna words. Say, yeah. So for, for anyone that has <laughs> never watched a game with me at a game, I'm usually, I'm, I'm pretty calm. Yes. I'll, I'll yell out at times, but I, I don't lose my mind at games and go shout at people. I may have lost my composure a couple times with the Yukon fans around us that continue to scream at Villanova and take shots at Colin Gillespie of all people blows yeah. my mind. By the way, the Yukon guy behind me was calling him Colin Gillespie, which is just, yeah, we hate, we hate wonderful, wonderful. So <laughs> yeah, might, might've engaged in a little friendly trash talk. Yeah. This was the show me game. Cause yes, it's, it's nice to beat St. John's. It's nice to come back from 17, but they had absolutely no business losing that game. And they also had no business losing to Creighton as great as Creighton's run was. Mm -hmm. This was the show me game. This is the caliber of opponent that Villanova can expect to face in the sweet 16 in the elite eight in the final four, because I think that's the goal for this season. And mm -hmm. that's where the bar should be set, which should be set. Yeah. And UConn, Sorry, let me yeah, let me just finish this. Go thought. for it. UConn, UConn's inconsistencies have been their downfall this season. I think it's why they were placed on the five line when we get into more Selection Sunday talk. RJ Cole didn't show up, and you can see how this team struggles without him. That being said, I think a lot of that is credit to Villanova's defense. Yes. I think Villanova's defense was incredible in this game, 63-60. to 60 was the final score and UConn is a really good offensive team. But the biggest takeaway for me was, Oh my God, I, I think I've said this before. I had no idea what to expect from the 2018 team because I couldn't, I, I didn't have very good perspective away from the big East. And then they just started demolishing everybody they faced since then. I've tried to have better perspective. When you see Slater and Samuels, Maybe they shouldn't have even taken the volumes of shots that they did. They went six for 14 from three, which is just absurd. Mm -hmm. But when you see how deep they can be, how versatile all five starters plus Daniels as the sixth man, that translates to conferences outside the Big East. And UConn was the best example because they are a very, very talented team. They just had an off night. I think you could argue that Nova did too. But those guys stepped up and it was just such a reassuring win that, yes, this team has had issues. They have also overcome them and I think gotten hot at the right time. Yeah. Tyrese Martin is a baller for Connecticut. Oh I, I think that was yeah. very apparent on Friday night and, and really a big key. And what UConn will go home with with kind of their head in their hands is that Adama Sonogo, the amount of layups that he missed and shots around the basket, they got the ball down to him. He took uh, 15 field goal attempts. He missed nine of them, and that's what a lot of it comes down to. I'm not saying that's Villanova getting lucky. It wasn't. A lot of it was you know, very solid defense and forcing him into more difficult looks, but Adama Sonogo missing nine shots around the basket, that's why the Huskies went home. Yeah, you probably won't see that from the Dickinsons, the Timmies, the, uh, all the other bigs down the stretch here. But, yeah, it's definitely a little bit of luck because he just couldn't finish to save his life. Uh, Dickinson will only be playing one game in this tournament. So true. Don't. <laughs> true. I don't know why that was the first big man that came into. I was like, I, yeah, was I had to say it once you did it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the five and scene. And scene. Um, I have a pretty good sentence. So I think I want to leave with lead with it. Kalkbrenner was really good. Everyone else was quite literally the worst version of themselves that they could have ever been on Creighton. My God, that game was ugly, uh, especially that first <laughs> half. 19 to 18, and Villanova scored seven points in, I believe, the first three minutes of the half. So yep. 12 
the final 17 the way down. Not that Creighton did much better. Yeah. Um, you saw some that. middle school games over the weekend that were more high scoring. It was bad. It was bad. I mean, you know, it's okay. We can admit that and look back at that and mm-hmm. laugh because Villanova won. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, it certainly was not pretty. You're right. Kalkbrenner. I mean, it kind of leads into still my greatest fear with this Villanova team is that elite big Ben can hurt them and hurt them mm-hmm. very badly. And, and Kalkbrenner did that uh, to a really you know large extent. But of course, like the focus here, it's Colin Gillespie and it's being the true hero for what he did and how he was able to keep this team in the game, then put this team ahead and, and keep them ahead with the back-to-back threes he made down the stretch. I thought his passing was so good, even in the UConn game where he was not able to get in a scoring rhythm. He had 10 assists. Yeah. Like, I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I'm going back games there, but I, I did want to mention that. And then just looking at Colin Gillespie now as a whole, Three-time Big East tournament champion, never lost a Big East tournament game that he played in. Wow. Three, three-time Big East regular season champion, two-time Big East player of the year, one-time scholar-athlete, one-time Big East tournament most outstanding player, one-time national champion with still an NCAA tournament to play. Isn't that insane? Are you going to say what I think you're going to say? No, nope, nope. We will save (laughs) full-on legacy talk for after the season. But just going through those accomplishments, that is what this player has done over his time at Villanova. The impact that Colin Gillespie has made, it's... It, I would say it struggles to be quantified. I just tried to quantify it with all the awards yeah, that he's won. He did a pretty good job. Yeah. Well, thank you. But unreal. And again, he had his crowning moment with coming through, being the guy, and, and clawing, clawing Villanova to the title on Saturday night. Yeah, this game was all about him. I do want to give Caleb credit because he hit that big-time uh, shot, and I think that completely changed the tide of this game. I really do. Um it's funny because I think if you were to look at simply the numbers, this wasn't Colin Gillespie's national moment. And maybe we're past that. There was definitely a point at the beginning of the season where people were disrespecting Colin. I think yes. in that February sp- stretch, maybe that went away. But a lot of eyes have been on him and will be on him in the tournament as we look at Nova and how old they are and Jay Wright and the whole shebang. If you do not think Colin Gillespie is a five-tool player after watching him in this biggest tournament, then you're crazy. Yeah, obviously, Pat and I are eyes deep in free agency talk right now. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) Labor agreements agreed. (laughs) But think about how many different things he did well in this tournament. Everything you said. And then, of course, because karma, he was able to hit those those big threes at the end. So Mm -hmm. I was thrilled with with how it all went down jay wright said something extremely remarkable he said he was the best he did he said best leader he's ever had and i don't think that's a shock at all and i think colin deserves all of the national recognition he's going to get because he did it all again he was limited to five points against uconn and he had 10 assists that's why his ratings are all so high yeah just remarkable is the is the way i can put it i have a a quick theme that i wanted to hit kind of for the the whole of the the biggies tournament for villanova jordan longino played some minutes what do you think i had that that too yeah Yeah. 10 against uconn 12 against creighton um i was surprised by as was i (laughs) i was thrilled but i was surprised was saint john's the foul game when he had two early yes i don't think he played much in that game if i'm yeah he, he played three 
but I believe he came in. He clocked yes. in very quickly, which was surprising. And then yeah, he, was... he gave up those fouls. <laughs> two fouls within, I believe it was two minutes. Yeah, brutal, brutal. But I was surprised. I think you and I had kind of closed the book on seeing him in postseason play. It's just another nice depth piece. I think, honestly, it won't get talked about because of all the starters, but his progression this year has been pretty good. The developing defense, a bit of a three-point shot. He brings, he's developing that three-point shot. He's confident taking shots now. He also has a little bit of a mid-range. We still don't really see him driving too much, but I love the intensity that he brings. I think and I hope that it can continue to come in like five to 10 minute bursts, just, just to give these guys a little bit of a little bit of a break, because my biggest takeaway was that Nova, Nova closed in every single game that they played in, in this tournament. And it didn't feel like fatigue was a factor that is obviously taken to a new level hmm. in the NCAA tournament. But I really liked what I saw from, from the bench depth perspective in this tournament. Yeah, and it can't be overlooked. He had a big shot against uh, UConn when they were trying to close that game yeah. out too uh, down the stretch. So really impressed there. I have a feeling it's going to be seven that Jay rolls with. Yeah, um, even that, that's not, that's not bad. It's yeah, not bad. I think eight's the magic number, but I just don't think it's realistic um, mm-hmm. to look at eight. So uh, seeing Longino come away is a, is a good positive from this tournament. And then finally, the Big East tournament first team. I wanted to get your thoughts here. Al, Al Durham, Tyrese Martin, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Arthur Kaluma, Justin Moore, and Colin Gillespie. I oh. didn't have a problem with Al Durham, and everybody did. Ooh, I, Do you agree I w- with that? Yeah, I wouldn't put Durham on. Um, he I, I had wouldn't. a really good quarterfinal game. He was he was basically the only guy that could shoot make a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not gonna kill Durham for being on it. The others, I don't even know how anyone could argue against the, yeah. the other guys. Kaluma was so good. Kaluma, yeah. he's going to continue to develop into a stud. Yeah. I, I do think it was kind of hard to not put Brandon Slater on that list. Mm-hmm. Just going from game to game, the, the free throws against St. John's, the block against UConn, just everything that he done, all the points against UConn. I know he didn't play a big role in the final, um, but I would have loved to have seen Slater gets, get some recognition there. I would have loved to see Samuels get some recognition. I honestly felt like they were 1A, 1B. Mm -hmm. I was disappointed to not see them. I actually wanted to ask you too. I don't think it could have gone to anybody else, but did you think Colin Gillespie was most deserving of tournament most outstanding player? Yeah, I think it had to be him. Okay, Uh, Because I I, I really think you could have made the argument for Slater or Samuels. Yeah. (sighs) In terms of value that they brought to these teams, I understand that the game plan is to eliminate Gillespie and that is an appreciation in and of itself, (laughs) but what Samuels did against UConn and in the second half against Mm -hmm. St. John's, I think was the shining moment of the season for him. Yeah. Oh, it was, it's very important, especially for him to try to get some momentum and hit the ground running here as we go into the NCAA tournament. But for me, it it definitely was Colin in my eyes. Yeah. It was just a, a, a drifting thought for me as it came up. But yeah, I, I also thought it was disappointing. Slater and Samuels didn't make the all-tournament team and that we didn't see a better version of Ryan Hawkins. I just mm. love him. I, I think he is such a good player and we haven't seen him be really, really good against Villanova. So I hope he's able to shine a little bit in the tournament because he's awesome. I had two more points. Um, I'll start with the first one. The offense struggled in three in games. In every game, had, yeah. They had the high tempo against St. John's, so I kind of expected that. UConn's really tough. 
Creighton, I wasn't expecting. Do you feel like it's an issue? They usually average about 73 a game. They didn't score above 66 in these three games. I was surprised in the St. John's game that they didn't come out a little better on offense. The UConn game did not surprise me just with how physical Connecticut yeah. is. And then I think Creighton, I, 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 it has to be factored in. It's their third game in three days. So I, I don't know yeah. how much the legs sure. are really in it. So, no, I, as someone that has been <laughs> afraid of what this offense could crater to at times this season, even though we never saw pure Villanova basketball, We'll say where they just put on a clinic out there and, and scored a ton of points. I, I'm not that worried about it. Again, it's another reassuring point that they can win in other ways. Yes, you want to three. Kind of how ball. I'm looking at it. Yeah, you want to see the three ball fall, but they can get it done in other ways. And I thought their perimeter defense was really good, especially against Creighton. And my last point, I'm going to ask you where you are on a scale of one to ten in, t- in, in terms of amusement level, concern level, however you want to take it. Tell me what you think about the fact that going small is now Villanova's strength. Oh, I was going to save this for Thursday's <laughs> episode. So you, uh, I won't go too far into it, but yes, it is. And I'll leave it yeah. there for now. Dixon obviously had a, a, a crazy reduction in minutes. I think a lot of it probably was the illness. I mean, think about having a stomach bug minutes before you have to go out and play a basketball game. But uh, I think it's a larger microcosm for how his minutes have been reduced in the last month or so of the season, but we'll, we'll save it. I just think it's a note to how, how good Caleb Daniels has been on offense and defense. Mm-hmm. And it's nice when Dixon makes that big shot, when he's able to come off the bench and provide some minutes, I think they found a nice medium where they're getting the best out of all of their guys right now. Yes. Uh, something I definitely want to explore on Thursday's episode. I just don't want to go too yeah. far into it now. Sweet. That yeah. is all I had about the Big East. Another victorious weekend for the Cats. Yeah, looking good. Feeling good. It was good to be back in uh, at MSG for the ride. Oh, yeah. Sweet. So before we get into the NCAA tournament look, we do have some exciting news from our sponsors at 19.9. 19.9 creates original designs tailored to the nostalgia of the epic moments in college basketball history. They celebrate the eras, players, coaches, and rivalries that make college basketball the sport we love. And speaking of rivalries, check out the apparel collection from 199 of Villanova University and the University of Connecticut. Hot off that big matchup in the Big East semifinals. Perfect time to look at it. 199 restocked your favorite apparel and added new vintage items. So go to 199.com. That's numbers 19 and the word nine, all one word.com to grab the nostalgic gear you need. So as we said in the beginning, we have a very, very exciting episode on Thursday where we will go into the nitty gritty of the Delaware matchup. Like Pat said, we won't have another episode before their second game, so we'll do Nova's path. This one, we wanted to take a step back, recap Selection Sunday, answer some fun questions like upset watch, what's the toughest region, players to watch, snubs. So we're going to look at everything and... Kind of see what we think, Pat. Mm. Overall, I mean, I listened to a lot of stuff today as we record on Monday about the flawed committee system, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I guess is the nice way to put it. People are not happy generally with how the rankings went. What do you think overall? How did they do? I think they got most things right. I I do. Uh, I, I understand some people want the committee to put more emphasis on how teams finish a season 
And I do mm-hmm. get that. I, I actually think that a little bit more should be put in to teams that are firing. But I think in most situations, they got things right. The biggest hills that I'll die on is that Michi- Michigan should not be in the NCAA tournament, uh, a 17 mm. and 14 team that, yes, they were able to put together some conference wins, but I, I, uh, I had it up in front of me. I don't have it now, but they did not do enough for, for me to be able to be put in as an at-large and then there is no excuse, zero excuse for Duke being a two seed over Tennessee. Just absolutely no way can that be argued in my head. Otherwise, I don't hate the bracket. Yeah, I think generally it's talking about two or three teams. Yes. Right? You, you would probably have 65 of the 68 minimum. <laughs> so when you put it out in a, in a larger perspective like that, but... I am maniacally going, doing my hands together because <laughs> I have some fun numbers about Tennessee and Duke because I knew we were going to talk about this. Oh, of course, had it's to. what everybody's talking about, about how ridiculous it is that Tennessee, the SEC tournament champions got the three seed and Duke got the two seed. So mm-hmm. I'll go through Duke first. They are 12 and five in the first two quadrants. They have one quad three loss. Overall, four losses outside of Q1. Tennessee is 16 and seven in their first two quadrants. So, at first sight, not glaringly obviously different. Yep. Tennessee has zero losses outside of Q1. Tennessee's losses are amazing. Zero losses. They are also undefeated at home. And are you ready for the kicker? Do it. Duke has more losses outside of quadrant run- one. Then the rest of the two seeds plus Tennessee combined. Oh, you just made me cry. Oh my God. I, Duke I, is not deserving of the two seed. And I don't know if, I don't know what we're, we're playing at here. Coach K, Duke, the whole country, whatever. <laughs> you know, that's part of Tennessee it. Tennessee is the hottest team in the country. I cannot believe Villanova is the same region as them because I want nothing to do with them. I truly think they might be the scariest team to face right now. Like you said at the beginning, the committee generally does an okay job. If you're going to play games on Sunday and you're going to play these tournament games, you might as well put some thought into it, especially with Tennessee going out and winning the SEC. They absolutely should have jumped Duke for that three spot for that two spot. Sneak, sneak peek of what I think of Villanova's region. If Tennessee and Duke are flopped and Tennessee's the two in the West and Duke is our three seed in the South. I'm feeling pretty good. Do lock final four. All right. I did (laughs) not say that. (laughs) Um, But no, as you're right though, Tennessee's on fire. I mean, as their losses are Villanova, Texas tech, Alabama, LSU, Kentucky, Texas, Arkansas. That's it. That's it. It's, I, inexcusable for me that, that Duke gets in as the two seed, especially with, I, I know I just talked about the, oh, well, the committee's not putting too much into how teams ended the season. Well, Duke had some stumbling blocks toward the end of the season, and clearly the committee didn't really care that much because yeah. I don't know how they get in as a two. It's really odd, and, and generally people have made the argument that Tennessee was closer to being the fourth one seed than they were. I think they were the second three seed, right? They weren't even the first three, three seed. I think Wisconsin was before them. I believe you're correct. I don't have the S yeah. curve in front right now. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. No, it, it is. I mean, the one saving grace is that they threw them out in the West um, because yeah. if they put them anywhere else, it just really would have been a spit in the face. 
Yeah. Uh, but the West is no cupcake having to deal with, uh, um, you know, just, oh man, you know, with Gonzaga and Texas Tech and all of that. Uh, I'll talk about a little more even uh, f- when we talk some upsets, but uh, that's the only saving grace here. I just, I just kind of roll my eyes at that one. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, that was the one, that was the big one for me. Oh, I also, I sent you a, a screenshot of this. Yes. They are also ahead of Duke in every single everything. metric. Everything. Everything. BPI, literally everything. Yeah. Ken Palm, net ranking, literally everything that you can think of. Yeah. Two snubs, um, two snubs I wanted to bring up for you, or I'll say snubs in quotation marks. Was Xavier, okay, yeah, hit me. Was Xavier a snub? Oof. I had other teams before Xavier. I don't think Xavier deserved to sniff this tournament. And I know people, people got a little upset that, that Xavier didn't make it. I don't think they deserve to be anywhere close with the complete and utter collapse that they had the second half of the season. And then once you lose to Butler on a neutral court, like they did uh, in the big East tournament, it was over and that they, they should not have been there. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. I think that collapse is absolutely ridiculous. I do think Texas A&M should have been in this. Field. Uh, that was the next one I was yeah. going to. So That's A&M, it's tough with AM. I mean, they were hot. They made that SEC title game. The issue with AM is that their best non-conference win was Notre Dame. Yeah. And they re- the, uh, the rest of the non-conference schedule was incredibly weak for them. I mean, I'm, I'll read you a couple because that's all I can even get myself to do. Dallas Christian, Northwestern State, New Orleans, Houston Baptist, Texas Corpus Christi, North Florida. That is how they decided to play out their pre-SEC season. And the committee punished them for that. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, it's why there's so much talk about the non-conference schedule, because that could literally cost you a bid like it Mm. did to Texas A&M. If you have an iffy season, which they certainly did, starting off 0-8 in their uh, conference play, and you don't have those quality non-conference wins or at least matchups where you fought tough, it's going to be really difficult. And I think yeah. that's what happened with AM. So that's why I can stomach AM not getting in, but it was also, it's harsh. It is because we saw such a run that they just went on in the SEC tournament and even to close out the regular season. Yeah. And they, I think they have a better resume than, than Notre Dame. So that one, that one hurt a little bit for me. Xavier was an interesting one. I, I knew a lot of people, especially in our Twitter world, exactly. would be talking about that. And it was just, I mean, we we have been very explicit about how much we love him, but this is Travis Steele's third consecutive implosion. He's, I'm not sure he makes it to next season. I think they I might know. move on from him. I don't know how you justify it. How yeah. many chances can you give? I think they lost eight of nine this year. They've lost five of eight in, a, in a, the past few years. It's it's not good at all. Look at that roster and tell me that's not an NCAA yeah. tournament caliber. It's the roster. paper. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's, paper. Oh, yeah. it's awful. A dangerous team in the NCAA tournament, no less. Yeah, yeah it should be. All right. Um, should we should we go to tra- toughest region now? I feel like that's a pretty good segue. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I went back and forth. So full transparency behind the scenes here i was driving pat texted me updates i did i found out so he sent me a text and he said the four seeds in the south were zona nova um who's the three uh tennessee uh tennessee thank you and Mm -hmm. Illinois. illinois and when i read it i thought it said zags instead of zona and i thought oh boy that is that's tough tennessee's tough gonzaga oh boy and then I heard Arizona, and I do feel like generally this is an okay path, 
because it's better than the East. And we have talked a lot on this podcast about what a three seed or potentially even a two seed in the East in Philadelphia would have meant for Villanova. I am thanking my lucky stars that we're not in the East right now, Pat. It is just two stacked Baylor, Kentucky, Purdue, UCLA. You've got UNC and Marquette in there. Texas, Virginia Tech caught off their caught yep. off of their ACC win. I think that's the toughest region, and it's actually not even particularly close for me. Man, I actually wrote down it's the East without a question now on, yeah. on my sheet. It, it just yeah. is like you said. You go through that, and there every single matchup has a team that you just don't want to play even the 710 game Murray State is really talented and Ken Palm has San Francisco as the 20th best team in the country and they're a yeah. 10 seed in that Murray region. State should have been so much higher too yeah it that region is miserable so Villanovans I know we're not you know you might not be happy that they're not playing at the Wells Fargo Center it's not worth it for for Villanova had to try it's not to be able to go through the path that has been laid out in the east whoever comes out of the east is going to go through such a war to get to New Orleans I can't wait to watch like all of those games because they're so good yeah and I think the west has some really tough teams like I don't I don't want to play Texas Tech I obviously don't want to play Gonzaga I think UConn can be tough the Midwest is probably the most eh region because they've that's got the most bit. open region on. Okay. That's, that's the better way to put it because we might see a really good version of Providence. We also might see a really bad version of Providence. We might see a really good version of Auburn. We also might see a really bad version. So that's the one that I have honestly the most questions about the South has some good teams, but the East top to bottom is so stacked. I want absolutely no part of that place. Yeah. Oh my God. We'll take the South and San Antonio to avoid that path. It's so funny. We've been thinking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And Brendan Riley has been doing his bracket Mm -hmm. watch for weeks now, just monitoring the East and Philly situation. And that bracket came out and I thought, okay, no big deal. I'm good. No, thank you. No, thank you is right. Yep. Um, we will save, we're going to go obviously deep into the South region. Yes. We mentioned Arizona, Nova, Tennessee, Illinois are the top four seeds. Houston, Colorado, Ohio State, though, are no joke. So I'm excited to do that a little bit more on Thursday for our second episode of this week. Yeah. You want to talk some upsets? Let's do it. I got some interesting ones. So um, do I. I'll, I'll stay in the, in the South. Um, I think Illinois might actually lose early. That's Reese Davis, um, or excuse me, not Reese Davis, Seth Davis, a uh, big one. Seth? Is that he's got Chattanooga in the Sweet 16 is his big uh, his big <laughs> pick in this one. I Illinois, I like that you're going there with Illinois. So I think Illinois can get past Chattanooga, though I, I mm-hmm. do believe there's a chance they give them a game. I don't trust this Illinois team at all. Not, yeah. not at all. They are... It, it, we talk about consistency and it is a problem for a lot of teams across college basketball, but they are a team that flashes inconsistency so often. I, I can't say I have a lot of faith in them. The only really shining star is Kofi Coburn. And the he only is player a star. He is certainly a star. Only guy in the country averaging 20 plus points and 10 plus rebounds. So you have that cool stat Malachi Smith on Chattanooga. 
you ready for this? Mm-hmm. And it's got a little Nova connection too. So I was excited to read it off. I got this from the athletic, I believe just four players in the last 30 years have averaged at least 20 points, six boards and three assists while shooting four, 40% from three and 50% from the field. Smith is one of them mm. on Chattanooga and Carrie Kittles is in that. There it is. Group. Uh, so love, I thought that was pretty that cool. Name. Not sure how far Chattanooga is going to go, but I think they pose kind of a, a lethal matchup for Illinois, especially who's pretty one dimensional. They, they do. And so I kind of cheated here and I didn't go with a first round matchup, but I wanted okay. to talk about two teams that I think got really rough draws and we'll start. Mm. I kind of alluded with the first one. Duke here. I'm not talking about Cal State Fullerton. I'm talking about in round two, I think Davidson beats Michigan State, and then Davidson has a chance to beat Duke. Davidson. Oh, Pat. Uh-huh. I also had Davidson. Yep. Davidson is really, really good, and they've got a very strong coach in Bob McKillop. They, their shooting is, is very strong. I know they're tall as well. That Davidson team is tough, and for a Duke team that just you don't know what you're going to get, uh, I don't trust Duke at all in this tournament. That's an interesting matchup and something that is worth keeping an eye on. I know Michigan State is playing much better of late, so there is a chance that we don't even get to that and we get Izzo versus K, which storylines right Wouldn't itself there. Yeah. <laughs> but if Davidson plays Duke, watch out. Second one I go to is uh, in that open region we talk about, Auburn. And I- I've thought about it a lot this year. That Auburn team, they are so fun to watch. They are high-flying, ha- uh, fast-paced. I Again, a team... I do not trust they just go missing and they turn the ball over USC plays great defense and they are very athletic. Be careful Auburn in round two. If they do end up playing USC, the Trojans have a chance to knock them off. Yeah. I really like those. Uh, I want to give my grandfather some credit. He went to UVM. Oh, okay. Could be a pretty good year for UVM. They have one loss since December 7th and it was a one point loss on February 14th. Arkansas, I think, is a good team, but you never know. Uh, I picked Virginia Tech over Texas. Virginia Tech is really hot. Texas is not. LSU lost their coach this weekend. Oh, they didn't lose their coach. They They, fired their coach, which he had coming to Can't imagine that will uh, bode well for the locker room vibe. And then I have to finish with this one. You know who I'm going to say? I do not. South Dakota State University against number four Providence College. Oh my God, you actually did it. Um, I did it. I So I wasn't going to say that to try and be nice to our PC friends. Um, <laughs> so I'm not saying who I'm picking yet. I haven't filled okay. up my bracket yet. I, still I haven't either. But this, this could be one of the best games in the first round. Providence. I mean, it's a bad matchup for providence it's a they're the best three-point shooting team in the country this is a bad matchup for providence um the jackrabbits shoot 45 percent from three-point range 45 percent. they average the third most points in division one providence has to shore up their defense they have to show up on offense and they have to hope that south dakota doesn't shoot well and that's a lot of hoping in a, in a round of 64 matchup. That is a tough draw for the Friars. I feel badly. That is tough. 
I, I, the whole Big East uh, got really rough draws early. Yeah. Actually, I think Villanova got the most favorable of them, uh, which obviously they're two seeds, so it, it should yeah. be a little more favorable. Um, but for for Providence, I can't imagine they're going to come out as flat as they did for the Creighton game, where they just got mm-hmm. run off the floor. I think Cooley's going to have them rebound. But as we said, this is the Jackrabbits are going to cause some issues for them. And it's if Providence is going to be able to, I, I want to see them kind of feed Nate Watson. Horkler needs to be more in the game than he has been. Of yeah, late. He's been absent for a yeah, while. He hasn't yeah. been making the impact that he has. And, and, you know, we'll see how healthy Durham is as he continues to get back. But man, you, you are so right for a 13 seed. That is not the team you wanted to see. Yeah. I think it's a really trendy upset pick. It I is. It's probably knowing me will have to stick to Providence my sister also committed there over the weekend. So full Another, family. Wow. Full, full Houghton family besides me has gone to Providence. So I'm doing okay. Thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, I, it's going to be a really high paced, fun game to watch. That's the bottom line for me. It's the second game, I believe, as well yeah. as the tournament. So I was already seeing tweets that Providence, you know, of course, can be very Irish around there. It's St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Day when they play. Um, they could be out of the tournament by happy hour on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, that's so mean. That's, <laughs> that's so I mean. It. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Fans. Man. Um, I'll, I'll take my shot. All right. Let's tra- let's transition right to the Big East then. Well, you want to talk a little bit about these matchups, the, the poor matchups that you were talking about? Yeah, we'll, we'll point them out. Um, so uh, around the Big East, we did just mention the Providence game. Seton Hall pulled TCU in the South. I don't have a lot of confidence in Seton Hall with how they're playing right now. They snuck past Georgetown. I think they looked completely outclassed against Connecticut, even though they were able to not get blown out, but it never truly felt like a game. I don't love the the matchup potential there. And also getting thrown in an eight, nine game, you're going to have to play a one seed if you do win uh, after that. And and for them, it's Arizona, who is a absolute (laughs) runaway train at the moment. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of these, I mean, the eight, nine matchup is the worst one on the entire bracket. It's terrible. And the Big East got two of those. So it was disappointing to see that. And this will shock you, Pat, but Bryce Aiken has finally been ruled out for the entire tournament. I saw, yes. God, at least we know now. Uh, about time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly why I felt too. I was like, geez, no, it took, it, it, it took you long enough. It's rough. We'll hit the two other uh, eight nine matchups too before we finish with the uh, the non one Creighton versus San Diego State. I like what we're seeing out of Creighton lately. I mm-hmm. I know they don't have Nemhard. If they had Nemhard, it would be complete watch out mode for this team being able to make a run. I know San Diego State's good. I think Creighton's got a chance to really hold their own here. Um, and, and try to find a way to advance. Of course, again, it is brutal being in an 8-9 game. If they win, they'll have to play Kansas. But I, I'm very interested to see what McDermott does with this squad and if they can get an NCAA tournament win. Yeah, I weirdly think Kansas is underrated in this tournament as a one seed, which you don't hear very People often. People are writing them off, which is very weird. Yeah. I'm not sure why. Abaji is one of the best players in the country. But yeah, I, I definitely don't think they can get past Kansas. I I probably will pick them against San Diego State. I mean, this is the year of Greg McDermott. <laughs> is it not? <laughs> he is riding high. He probably would have been the Big East coach of the year if not for Ed Cooley's year. I think you're right. I, I think they have a lot going for them. The freshmen are only going to get better, which means they're going to be dangerous for years and years. They obviously will lose um, Ryan Hawkins, but Ryan Kalkbrenner, I think he could make a name for himself as one of the best bigs in the country if if they if Crane can get a little bit going in this tournament. Watch out. And then the last yeah. eight, nine game of the Big East teams, 
UNC versus Marquette, which is so oh, juicy. It's so juicy. I am hyped for this game. I cannot wait. I don't know who I'm picking yet. Do you? Uh, I I think that the North Carolina is very overrated. So I, okay. I want to see what Shaka can do. North Carolina, the thing is, North Carolina does have the ability to space the floor and score. And that yeah. can be Marquette's issue at times, especially if the defense is letting them down. But if Shaka is able to get them play up and they go full on, you know, uh, full on defense like they do with all the deflections and everything playing chaos, the watch out for Marquette. And they do have a chance to, to take down UNC. The immediate thought that came into my mind was who's going to guard Armando Baycott. Yeah. The good thing is that Marquette defense is obviously Marquette's strength. The thing that just is sticking out to me in this tournament, I feel like I write it off every single year and I get screwed by it. It's age. And mm-hmm. I'm just not sure Marquette has the experience, the age, the leadership, the, I don't know what another adjective is, but they just don't have that. Whereas a lot of other teams do like that. That's what separates teams like Villanova and the tournament. And I'm not sure that's going to be what we see from a Justin Lewis led Marquette team. They've been really hot. They've obviously cooled off. UNC has had similar peaks and valleys. Yes. I don't know. I, I would absolutely love if Shaka Smart and Marquette won this game. I am still genuinely not sure what to expect. I'm going to be pulling for them really, really hard, but I, yeah, I am too. very excited for that game because I think it's got a chance to have really fun pacing uh, and have a chance to be really close. So yeah. Is that one of the, is that the latest tip on one of the days? I, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. One of them, I seen hall, I think is the last tip on Friday. I think they're the nine 57 game on Friday. Mm. So maybe that's what I was thinking of, but anyways, last It'll be one great to watch. And then the last one, Yukon Huskies playing New Mexico State Yukon as a five seed. The 12-5, always a, a trendy kind of upset type pick. I don't think that's happening here. I, I really think Yukon's going to the Sweet 16. Um, really? With a, yeah, with a potential matchup against Arkansas or Vermont. The, the Huskies have, they're so difficult to play. Villanova knows that as well as anyone. I think the Huskies have a, a true potential to get to the Sweet 16. Uh, the difficult part for them is that it would be a potential date against the Zags. Uh, yeah. not, not ideal, but they have the ability to get there. UConn is becoming a very popular dark horse for a very, very deep run. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. Mm. I, I just, I still don't have my head entirely wrapped around UConn. When you see Sonogo play the way you did on Saturday, they're not going to win. They're not going to win. They're not going to win if RJ Cole is shut down that much on offense. But then on the flip side, you see how they played against Albert at the beginning of the year and how they played against UConn halfway through the season. So it's just a lot of different versions of them. Obviously, Hurley is a really, really good coach. I think they have that experience and that age to be successful in March. That UConn is a team that I just have a lot of questions about. I, I am very curious to see what they can do. Because be I think good. equal people are like, okay, they're going to lose in the first or second round. And other people are saying that they have a chance to beat Gonzaga. <laughs> it's that it's that mixed about them. Yeah. They, I, I think that's part of what the Huskies do to an opinion because yeah. they are such a pulverizing team with the history True. and all that goes into it. Uh, but no, that I, I think of, of the big East teams, just based on the seating and the matchups, they are the one other than Villanova poised to be able to get there, get, you know, win a couple games 
Mm-hmm. It really is unfortunate for the conference that three of the teams got thrown into eight, nine matchups um, because it, it just makes the road so difficult. <laughs> yeah. And these one seeds, particularly this year are so, so tough. It's I mean, very top heavy. Yeah. We saw Baylor firsthand and I don't, I don't think many teams have a chance of against them in this field. So yeah, it's tough, but again, we got how many bit six this year. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. And we forgot to mention it during the Big East tournament. So we will mention it now. Yes. Villanova is one of the few teams in the country that sent both their men's and women's programs into the field. Villanova, the women's team, Denise's Dillon's, Denise Dillon's team got a very well-deserved 11 seed in the women's bracket. Women's bracket. Oh man, did they make us sweat it out? So I, I was God. watching the women's selection show, and we're going region by region. Villanova's not getting their name called, and I believe it actually got down to the last four teams in the final region before Villanova's name finally was selected. And oh, it was stressful, but I could not be happier for the program. By the way, Villanova men and women played in their conference championship games as well. Yeah. Uh, Villanova basketball is absolutely churning on both sides right now. I'm uh, really proud to be a Wildcat and, and go to the women's team. And uh, I'm very excited. I believe they play on Saturday. Um, so men on Friday, women on Saturday, and uh, pumped to watch both those games. Did you see their reaction video yeah, when their great. names was it's called? Great. So awesome. So and awesome. as they Matt should be, Seagers. they completely deserved it. I would have been crushed if they didn't make it. Um, so. They probably deserve to be higher, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the stats with Maddie Segrist, if you have not watched her play, you absolutely need to go watch her play because she is absolutely dynamic. Denise Dillon is a phenomenal coach. What this program has been over the last few years is just amazing. Yeah, you and I did a lot of work for the women's team when we were at Nova, so it's did. cool to see them finally cashing in on some of that success now. Yeah, definitely leads into the excitement for, uh, for this team and just very proud that they're in that tournament and have a game with uh, BYU on Saturday. Yeah, I was listening to John Fanta's Twitter space while the show was going on. And I think he said, paraphrasing, of course, but if Villanova doesn't get a seed, I will be embarking on about a 10-minute soapbox about how wrong the committee was. <laughs> so luckily he didn't have to do that, but it would have been so egregious if they didn't make it in. I say, as much as I love Fanta and love hearing anything that he says, um, I, I'm glad we didn't have to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, by the way, one <laughs> of my favorite- everyone fav- involved. Yes. One of my favorite parts of the Big East tournament was him throwing bowls to Red Panda during oh my halftime. God. So thank what you. What doesn't he do? Exactly. So thank you, Fanta for that um <laughs> oh, oh what a so week funny. what a week what a week what an episode i'm so excited again as you are listening to this first four action starts tonight i gotta get my bracket in pat what am i waiting on what, what are i listen i don't have mine in either so yes i need to do that <laughs> as well but i'm pumped it's here you know the madness already begun of course with conference tournaments but now it goes into full swing starts on tuesday runs through the rest of the week it's the best time of the year. Oh, God. And like we said, we've said it so many times now because we're just so excited. On Thursday, we will have a full Volnova Delaware preview for the game on Friday afternoon. Make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't. If this is your first time listening, thank you. We will take care of you in March. We couldn't be <laughs> we more promise. excited about it. Just buckle up because things are definitely going to get crazy. Buckle up and here we go. But all right, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VUHoops.com for plenty of content as we lead into Villanova's first round opponent against Delaware. 
be sure to follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N pod. Subscribe to the show and leave a rating. We will talk to you on Thursday for the preview and look at the South. But until then, everyone enjoy the games and Nova Nation. That's a wrap.